Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. everybody. Welcome to the Friday weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So much to talk about on today's show. Islanders right now up 2-1 to one in their series over the Florida Panthers. Game 4 coming up today, Friday at 12 noon. And uh, that is a familiar time spot for Islanders fans right now as the second and third games were also played then. We will have a full preview of Game 4 and talk about some of the things that the Islanders need to do better and some of the players that need to step up for the Islanders. Also, Barry Trotz hinting at some lineup changes, possibly. We'll talk about what those might be in Game Number 4. So, lots to get to and, and you know, a little bit of pressure on the Islanders right now as they prepare for this game because you don't want to go to a game five if you're the New York Islanders and we'll talk about why a little bit later on in the show. If there's something on your mind, a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to contact the show via email, the email address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. If you leave your name and where you're from, we'll be happy to mention you on the air when we talk about whatever it is that's on your mind. You can also follow the show on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at LockedOnIsles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes concerning the New York Islanders as we head into this playoff uh, game four. So... Look, let's take a look at what's going on with the Islanders right now as we prepare for the fourth game. And let's start with what the Islanders need to do better. One of the big problems that the Islanders are having right now, and we talked about this before the series, and it has turned out to be 100% true. The Islanders need to stay out of the penalty box. Right now, officially, the Florida Panthers are 3-for-8 with the extra attacker over the first three games of this series. And, you know, look, that's 37.5% conversion rate, and that's way too high as it is. But you have to remember, Florida also scored a goal just two seconds after a power play officially expired, meaning that 
if you include that as a power play goal, and even though officially it wasn't for all intents and purposes, it was, Florida is four for eight with the extra attacker. The Islanders, plain and simple, need to stay out of the penalty box if they are going to have any kind of success against Florida. And we've gone over it. They have so many dangerous players in their uh, on the Florida roster. Barkov, Barkov, Hubbardo, uh, you know, these are guys that are dangerous. And, you know, part of the Islanders' strategy throughout this series is to prevent those guys from having enough room to do damage and, and, and get goals and, 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 you know, make the plays that will break the Islanders' defense-first strategy. When they are on the power play and they have more room to maneuver, more open ice, when there's always one open player at any given time, it is that much harder to clamp down on those really effective players that Florida has out there on the ice. And when you give those guys more room and more time, they are that much more dangerous. And they've proved it throughout the first three games. In game one, what did Florida have? A couple of power, one power play opportunity. They had uh, only two in game two or three. But game three, which Florida won, they had five power play opportunities. And... You can't take those kind of penalties. And they were silly. A lot of the penalties the Islanders took, you know, careless penalties. Too many men on the ice penalty. Uh, Varlamov getting called for uh, handling the puck outside the trapezoid. Those are the kind of penalties, quite honestly, that are avoidable, that are sloppy, that are not uh, the kind of penalties you want to take. So what the Islanders need to do is get back to smart, disciplined hockey and not give the Florida Panthers more room, more chances, more bites at the apple. So, you know, again, a lot of the time, this is the difference between winning and losing a game. And when the Islanders gave five power play chances to Florida in game three and they scored on two of them, you lose by one goal, that's the difference in the game, or one of them. So it is going to be key for the Islanders not to take foolish penalties, not to spend time in the penalty box, and to just make sure that they are doing the right thing going forward. And I am sure Barry Trotz will be speaking to them about it. And if you cut down the penalties in a game from five to three, or two, you're in a much, much better position to win the hockey game because you don't want to give the best players on the Florida Panthers more chances, more room, more time to be creative, and more opportunities to put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. And the Islanders, generally speaking, not a team that took a lot of penalties, not a team that took a lot of bad penalties. They've got to get back to that disciplined hockey they played in Game 1 and especially in the last two periods of Game 2, and they will be fine going forward 
if that is indeed the case. All right, we're going to talk about some of the potential lineup changes. Barry Trotz hinted that there may be some, and we'll talk about some of the players that need to play better for the Islanders in Game 4 and beyond. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, we are back here at the Locked On Islanders podcast. Let's talk about some players that the Islanders really need to step up and get into the game. Obviously, you know, again, a one-goal loss in Game 3 is not catastrophic, but after three games, you start to notice some patterns. Some guys who are contributing and doing very well, some guys who are playing better than they did over the course of the regular season, and then some guys who are kind of falling off and not contributing as much. If you were to ask me, players who are exceeding expectations early, Anthony Bevilier playing better than he had during most of the regular season. He's picked up his game. Uh, Devon Taves, with, a, with the exception of a couple of plays in the last game, I think overall has played well. Scotty Mayfield has played well. And to me, two other guys who I think you have to mention if you look at Islanders who are at least meeting, if not exceeding, expectations, Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Derek Brassard, who have played well together on the third line, along with Tom Cunackle as well. Uh, these guys have delivered production from the third line, played solid defense as well, and really gotten the job done for the New York Islanders over the course of those first three games. Now, that being said... There are also several players who the Islanders need to get more from if they hope to be more productive and win and close out this series. And the top of the list to me, Matthew Barzal. And I believe he has one assist through three games of this series. And you want more production, obviously, from your, your top-line player. There's no question about that. But I think it's, it's, it's more than just a question of numbers. It's a question of this, to me. Anthony, uh, uh, Matthew Barzal is the kind of player who not only can put up goals and, and, and set up goals and make good passes, he is, when he's on his game, the kind of player that can have an impact on the ebb and flow of a game, on the momentum of a game. He is the kind of guy who could take the puck and create and give your team scoring chances and give your team momentum and effectively make a transition from defense to offense to put your team in an advantage and put the opposing team's defense on his he on their heels. He has the speed that teams fear, and that speed can be used to create room to make scoring plays for his line mates, and creating room and time in hockey, especially in the playoffs, is key, is one of the many keys, actually, to success. So they need more right now from Matthew Barzal. And, you know, the cliche has always been in the game of hockey, you need your best players to be your best players. And, you know, if you were to ask 10 experts, 10 scouts, you know, who are the Islanders' best players, I think Matthew Barzal would be on the list of all 10 of them. 
And the fact that he is not playing up to expectations after three games is something that we need to be aware of, and he needs to pick up his game. Now, Jordan Eberle's good play and production has sort of balanced out the lack of production from Barzal. But over the long haul, over the course of the series, the Islanders are going to need more from Matthew Barzal. And look, even if the Islanders, it's possible they can beat Florida without Barzal contributing in a big way. But if you're looking at this long term, if you're looking at, uh, you know, can the Islanders go on a long playoff run? Because remember, if you get past Florida, there's still four other series you need to win to win the Stanley Cup. And the competition, theoretically, is going to get harder with each passing round. Well, you want to go up against Boston or Tampa Bay or Washington or Pittsburgh, some of those, you know, highly ranked teams that everybody is talking about as legitimate Stanley Cup contenders, you're going to need a lot more from Matthew Barzal to do that. So that's one player who definitely needs to produce more. Another is Anders Lee. And again, it goes beyond just the numbers he is or is not putting up on the scoreboard. Anders Lee is a leader on this team. He is one of the guys that everybody looks to for leadership. And his style of play, his ability to get down into the dirty areas, battle for position in front of the crease, get those deflections, those rebounds, those tips of shots to screen the opposing goaltender. All of those things are especially vital in playoff hockey. And we're just not seeing enough of that right now from Anders Lee. That is his typical game. We need to see more of it. And we talked before this series about the importance of Sergei Bobrovsky that if Bobrovsky played the way he did during the regular season, the Islanders would have an easy game, an easy series of beating the Panthers because Florida couldn't compete if they don't get good goaltending. Well, through the first three games, Bobrovsky has indeed delivered. He has kept Florida in all three games. They had no business being in game one. It was a one-goal victory for the Islanders. Game two... You know, Florida took the early lead, Islanders came back, but again, Bobrovsky played well overall, and in Game 3, there were a couple of golden opportunities that the Islanders had, and again, the Islanders didn't get a lot of shots on goal, but Sergei Bobrovsky made saves at the right time in order to guarantee that the Islanders would not get back into the game and would not tie the game late after they got to within 3-2 with, what was it, about a minute and a half left on the clock. So, you know, with Bobrovsky playing well, it's even more important for guys like Anders Lee and Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Sezikis to Matt Martin to get into those dirty areas, to distract Sergei Bobrovsky, to screen him, to make him squirm a little bit, to make him uh, try to look past you know, opposing forwards who are screening him on plays. Make him think. Get him out of his comfort zone. 
That is something we have not quite seen enough of from the New York Islanders, and it is something they definitely need to do in order to clinch this series and move on and get past the Florida Panthers. Not going to be easy, but it is something they will need to do. We will talk about some of the moves the Islanders could make in the lineup and a lot more still to come here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I one more uh, Islander who I think I'd like to see a little bit more from is uh, Nick Letty. And again, Letty has had his moments in this series. He's picked up, uh, you know, a, a few important uh, plays here and there. And the fact that he's without Johnny Boychuk certainly doesn't help. That's his usual defense partner. And not that Andy Green didn't play well in game one, obviously, after Boychuk's injury. It was a mix and match with the other four defensemen. But offensively, especially on that power play unit, you want to see a little bit more from Nick Letty. And, And I'd like to see him be a little more physical at times as well. Barry Trotz did hint uh, that the Islanders could make some lineup changes for game four. And he said one or two. I wouldn't be surprised if Noah Dobson gets into the game, whether Letty sits or Green sits, if Boychuk is not able to go. One of those lineup changes could also be if Boychuk's head has improved and he clears the protocols, he could be inserted into the lineup. Uh, the other thing is, uh, maybe we see some Ross Johnston in the next game. Maybe, uh, you know, he gets into the lineup to add a little something extra, or maybe also the Islanders, you know, go with Dobson, who would give them a little more offense and give them maybe a little extra zest on that second power play unit. The power play unit, by the way, it needs to be a little bit more consistent. And look, I know it hasn't been consistent all season, and that's a fact. But one thing the Islanders don't do consistently enough, and I've talked about it throughout the season, they've got to move without the puck. You see too often, two two factors that I think the Islanders need to work on to improve the power play. One is movement without the puck. They've got to get open. They've got to create space. And you do that with cross-ice passes, and you do that by moving without the puck to tire out opposing penalty killers, make them stretch, make them use up their energy, and make them move so they're out of position when you, you know, the movement creates the opportunity for the cross-ice pass to fill in a spot that is vacated by a defender who is moving. So... Those two things sort of coordinate with each other. So they need to get more movement without the puck, and they need to shoot a little bit more. And I, I think the other thing is uh, get more, get a guy in front of that crease. Uh, I don't see enough of that during the power play. Uh, Anders Lee has tried on occasion on some of the power plays he did it, but not consistently enough, not effectively enough. And it is an area that the Islanders definitely need to improve on. Special teams in this series, we said it before the series, it was going to be a key. And it has been during the series. It helped the Islanders win game one and game two. And it really helped the Panthers win game three. 
The other possibility, although I don't think this will be the case, but we'll see, for a lineup change, maybe game four is when you go with Tomas Grice. I don't think that'll be the case. But look, Varlamov, I, I can't say he was terrible against Florida in game three. I can't say he was to blame for many of those goals. I mean, the Boyle goal was a giveaway right in the slot area. That is not something you necessarily think a goalie is going to save. Uh, There are a lot of potential, you know, reasons that the Islanders gave up goals, but they weren't any soft goals by Varlamov. Again, you may want to keep Grice sharp. You may want to give him some action to me, game three would have been the opportunity to do that when you're coming off, you know, a back-to-back and you're up 2 nothing in the series, which gives you a little cushion. But at the end of the day, uh, I think we still see Varlamov in game four uh, t- today at noon. But that is one of the other possible lineup changes that Barry Trotz would be considering. I think the pressure right now is a little bit more on the Islanders. And we've talked about the difficulty of closing out a series that, you know, in a best of five series, that third win is always the toughest. In a best of seven series, that fourth win is always the toughest. The team facing elimination is in desperation mode. They know they win or go home. They are going to put everything they've got and throw it up against you and give you every bit of effort that they have. We saw that from Florida early in Game 3, and we will, I'm sure, see it again today in Game 4 when push comes to shove. But the Islanders know if they lose Game 4, the momentum will be squarely with the Florida Panthers heading into Game 5. And you don't want to set up that situation where the Panthers are getting more and more confident, the Islanders are going to be filled with more and more self-doubt, and it it, it just kind of, you have that momentum effect, that snowball effect, benefiting the Florida Panthers. So I think it's important the Islanders put them away here in Game 4 rather than risk the possibility of a Game 5. And, you know, look, Florida will have home ice advantage. So again, last change belongs to the Panthers and Joel Quenville. If there is a game five, that home ice advantage will go back to the New York Islanders. And that certainly is a help when it comes to figuring out matchups and what have you. Because even without fans, the home team gets the last change, and that is definitely beneficial uh, when it comes to line matchups, getting the right defense pairs out there, and kind of dictating the the flow of the game a little bit by using the proper matchups. All right, that's going to do it for us on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We will be back Monday to sum up the rest of this series and hopefully To preview the Islanders next round, don't want to get too far ahead, but uh, look, Islanders have two more chances right now to finish out the Panthers and advance to the round of 16. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. They'll fill you in on all the important news. 
taking place in all the playoff series, the round-robin series, the play-in series, and also we're starting to learn which teams will have a shot at that first overall draft pick. The second part of the draft lottery will be done right after this uh, round, so definitely check out Locked On NHL for the latest hockey news league-wide. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the games, and of course, let's go Islanders.